0: Baby, when I think about you, think about love. Darling, don't live without you and your love. If I had those golden dreams of my yesterdays, I would wrap you in the heaven till I'm dying, dying, dying on the way. Feel like making. Damn. Feel like making some love. Some
1: poetry right there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: forget how it goes
0: (laughs) it's something like this is the right idea yeah um better riff than lyrics though
1: so that's what's true about like a lot of songs right like what is it about the 60s where people really want to defend the songwriting and the lyrics like a lot of this shit was trash it's just there's plenty of great songs like cool riffs and shit but some of the lyrics are just so fucking bad dude um
2: yeah 70s were at a low point i think
0: yeah, I would even say the 70s were worse. This is from 75. Yeah.
1: Agreed, agreed, agreed.
0: <laughs> I think at 70, they just knew the formula, and the formula was like a like a pretty fuzzy guitar, like pretty decently loud drums, and then just some dude squealing in front of it, and then it would sell or it'd work or whatever. And they just said, fuck it, like don't even put any thought into the lyrics. Like every song needs to be about the most basic thing. And just don't yeah. even and don't like, even think any authors. You
1: it. still couldn't um say like shit or fuck or something but i feel like the misogyny was like more well honed by the 70s yeah so
0: that's a, that's the biggest thing and i have a theory i just thought of this today like i think that's the only difference between like new metal and classic rock is them being able to say fuck and then that just changed <laughs> the whole for- that, like poisoned the well that changed the whole formula I, we'll get into that later but like yeah basically classic rock in general great songs that we all get shoved down our throats ever since we were like young or whatever Um, and just totally trash concepts for songs.
1: But what's funny to me is that like only with sixties and seventies classic rock are people really defensive about shitty lyrics where like everyone knows that hair metal is stupid, right? Like no one defends cherry pie for having like good lyrics, but if you say like the stones, (laughs) (laughs)
2: look, cherry pie, cherry pie pie. is uh, an incredibly intricate metaphor for the pussy. Ah, (laughs) damn. And by saying, she's my cherry pie, he's saying he wants to get in there.
0: But see, even, okay, that metaphor is honestly still more interesting than the one in Bad Company, the song I just read. Their metaphor for fucking and pussy is love. Like, that's the word they use to replace (laughs) pussy. (laughs) Like, baby, when I think about you... I think about your pussy. No, it's like, I think about love. No, fuck you. You don't think about the vast concept that is like <laughs> yeah. befuddled mankind for millennia of love. You think about her pussy.
2: Well, they weren't able to see it because of all the hair. Bad Company was a famously hairy band, huh? They forgot it was there. They just turned to the general concept of love. Oh, you're saying there's <laughs> too much hair. I gotcha. Ah.
0: That's my theory. That's a good theory. I mean, there, was, there were some bushes.
2: I was gonna say the diff- the real difference between new metal and classic rock in the '70s is that the new metal singers sang about getting molested, and the classic rock
1: singers sang about molesting.
0: Ah, <laughs> it's the victim and the perpetrator,
2: right?
1: Yeah, it came home to roost a generation later when all these kids, you know, they're they're. It's amazing living- the amount of
2: songs that are just about like having sex with a fifteen-year-old.
1: Yeah, I mean, not to put a dark twist on yeah, it, but like, yeah, she's only seventeen, right? By Winger. Remember Gary Puckett? By Winger? Isn't it by Foreigner? Was there a band really called Winger? Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, Kip Winger.
1: Damn, that sucks. Yeah, Kip Winger's such a fucking Gary Puckett name.
2: in The Union Gap. I remember Tom Sharpling called this the uh, the creepiest song of all time or the creepiest artist. Young girl, get out of my mind. My love for you is way out of line. Better run, girl. You're much too young, girl. And where's the, where's the <laughs> other group? Beneath your perfume and your makeup, you're just a baby in disguise. Holy shit. And though you know that it's wrong to be alone with me, that come on look is in your eyes. Damn, dude.
0: I mean, okay. Okay. I'm not going to defend that song because that's a fucking, like, that's a jail sentence right there. Just writing that and singing that and then recording it and making it into a fucking radio
1: hit. Lock yeah, him you up. you know how they try to, try to, like, litigate rappers talking about, like, shooting someone? How the fuck did this guy not go to jail? Well,
0: well this is, that's my point. So, like, what percentage, like, I'm talking, like, the Mick Jaggers, um, the Robert Plants, like, those higher-up guys. What percentage of them were actual, like, sex offenders? Like, a hundred, right? Straight I wouldn't say a
2: hundred. Uh... I think Robert Plant was complicit in it, but didn't do it himself. Mm. I don't know. It it was definitely going on, but I think it was probably like one guy in every band.
1: Well, I want to say we got to move to Zeppelin here while we're on the subject, but I just want to say one more thing about Bad Company while we're looking at those lyrics. Did you guys realize this album is called Straight Shooter and the cover (laughs) is rolling a pair of dice?
0: (laughs) I was thinking Shooter shooting something else.
1: There's just no subtlety to anything.
0: Yeah, he's talking about, no, it's a metaphor for blowing your load.
2: Is dice the load? Yep. They should just put some cum on the cover and say it's water.
0: No, that's why there's white dots, and there's also red, because he also has, like, really bad venereal diseases.
2: Oh, well, that that was cool back then.
0: Yeah.
1: He was coming on the dice using, like, one of those um, ice cream things you use on a cake, you know what I mean, to, like, squeeze out the icing?
0: Yep, you got it. That's it. <laughs>
1: Anyway, sorry, I wanted to move to Zeppelin because uh we were talking about Trampled Underfoot earlier. And when we're talking about is uh Robert Plant a creep or not, like even if he's not like aggressive to women in general in his personal life, he apparently sang Trampled Underfoot at his daughter's twenty first birthday party.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's some real uh like misogynistic Zeppelin lyrics. But to be honest, like People accuse them of stealing stuff from the blues guys, and they did steal that from the blues guys as well. So right. they, they they don't get all, all the all the blame for that. There, if you go back and listen to like Muddy Waters or John Lee Hooker, it's just like, oh, this crazy bitch is the devil.
1: Yeah, but at least like there is some degree of uh, poetic license there. Like l- the fucking lyrics have trampled underfoot. Yeah, trouble-free transmission like a, helps if your oil flow.
2: An old fat blues guy in like the in the deep south with no teeth, like. You probably uh, had more relationship trouble than Robert Plant. He so, was just yeah. complaining all the time.
0: Charles, to continue on those lyrics, the next two lines, Mama, let me pump your gas. Mama, let me do it all. And then this goes back to the bad company thing, talking about love. He's just talking about love, Oh, you're y'all. right. Yeah. He's just let me about pump love. your gas. Uh, literally the same
1: thing.
2: That's code for you push on someone's stomach to get them to fart when mm. they're bloated. I'm
0: misreading this. You're <laughs> opening up whole new avenues in my mind then.
1: Somehow, it's way more acceptable to do with his daughter than, than the other interpretation.
0: Two th- two more things about "Trampled Underfoot." First of all, this song slaps. I love this song. Like the lyrics oh, it's are terrific. But the groove is clearly stolen by, from "Superstition" by Stevie Wonder, right? Like further proving the point that they just stole like yeah, a lot of shit. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> when did "Superstition" come out?
0: Um. So this is later, though. This is like. Oh man, this, this is, is 75. Physical this graffiti. was physical graffiti.
2: Yeah, this um, is 75. Oh, superstition see, uh, was 72. So yeah, they they were probably yeah. listening to that. And it was yeah. probably
1: popular. Yeah, like two years ago. So it's very. But believable. they did
2: they did that all the time knowingly. They had like that James Brown uh, pastiche. For sure.
1: And I guess that's
0: fine. Like I don't mind when people just you know straight up bar. But Led Zeppelin has kind of like a worse reputation of that. Well,
2: Nonetheless, Stevie, Stevie Wonder's not going to know who did it. He can hear it and it's like who is that?
0: Yeah. And they're like, it's Black <laughs> Who stole Sabbath, my song. go fight them. Yeah,
1: yeah he, he sues Black Sabbath.
0: Uh-huh. Um, but I think that Stevie Wonder, actually, I know Stevie Wonder would write better lyrics than uh, this. Check that heavy metal underneath your hood. Baby, I can work all night. Believe I got the perfect tools. Well,
2: because he's not legal to drive, so he can't do car metaphors. And honestly, Robert Plant should also not do car metaphors because he, uh, he got in a car crash. I think his wife and his son got in a car crash and died, and then he got in a car crash, and then like for their last album, he was in recovery.
1: Oh crap! So was it yeah, like a drunk maybe driving thing? Then like it always is? might have been. Uh, but uh, I-
0: I'd be willing to bet that it was.
2: You shouldn't well, be so uh, so confident that really you know your way under the hood, man.
1: Well, here's the other Specialist thing: maybe this mama let me feast my eyes.
2: <laughs>
0: maybe this was a uh, therapy for him. You know, doing this sort of uh, this poetry about yeah. cars <laughs> like an and airbag mechanics. By yeah, radio head. yeah. <laughs> like he had. It's exactly like it's Wait, the proto airbag. Conversely,
1: um, maybe airbag is about fucking. Ooh, oh, that would be sweet in a fast German car. He oh, means man. a fast Air- German woman. No, every airbags, Radiohead
2: song is about getting it in. Airbags it's are
0: about the titties.
2: Thicker metaphors. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that sucks. That's a that's a shitty take. <laughs> but so I mean. When we were kind of gathering up ideas for these songs, I think most of them revolved around like lazy songs about about sex, right? Or about something about a woman or I guess some loose concept of love. Like, I mean, vast majority of them, right?
2: Another one that's good to look into is lists of place names.
1: Oh, I was hoping you were going to say list of songs about love. No, that's
2: mean? a big, pretty big list. I found up, uh, I, I pulled up, uh, the news article about the Robert Plant car accident, it was immediately after physical graffiti came out, right after that song. Multiple oh. fractures of ankle, bones supporting the foot and elbow.
0: Some sort of poetic justice then, no, I guess. He got,
2: way too, he got way too confident that he could fuck the car, and he tried to fuck the car, and it crashed. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: he was listening to his own song while he was driving down the street.
2: I'm
0: so
1: glad I took a look inside your showroom doors
0: and Charles to bring it back what you said at the beginning. He put um, his head all the way in. That he sang this at his daughter's 21st like, birthday party?
2: Yeah, very like Trump-esque of him. Yeah, he should have done an instrumental.
0: I hope that he made her like do like the little kid thing where they put her out on a chair and he's just singing this song like just for her.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh the last the kind the of turning verse, into, like a strip tease.
2: Yep. At the yep. end is uh push 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 it push push.
1: What's which, that mean? Uh,
2: I don't know. I, I have no idea what he's referring to with that. Uh, it could the mean ex- a lot
0: of things. No, it's the accelerator.
1: Oh, it's just the gas. On Salt the car. and Peppa stole "Push It" from this song.
0: He was, yeah. He, he, coined he coined the phrase "Push It." Yeah, that's good.
1: Pretty good. Did You guys see actually um, recently? There's like you know, there's been that ongoing lawsuit that Zeppelin's involved in over um, "Stairway to Heaven." Yeah. That like they stole it from like the opening band on the tour. Like, That's been going on for years, that yeah. right? That guy yeah. needs to stop complaining. The new interesting twist in that, though, um, is that, like, well, now we're, we're going to go on a long tangent here, but apparently, for any music written in like the mid 70s or before, the copyright is based on sheet music you submitted to the government. Oh, God. And the sheet music they submitted for that song is like super incomplete and like doesn't have the solo or the intro or all this shit. So, like, they're kind of hamstrung by their own argument about how they didn't steal it. Um, I'm trying to remember how to phrase this where like the the argument they're trying to make in court will also basically invalidate the parts of their music that's not actually submitted to that registry. Right. So in the process of like saying they didn't steal it, it's also like you can just do the uh, Stairway to Heaven guitar solo without ramifications, you know?
0: <laughs> so being an extremely lazy musician, can you imagine how awful that would be if you had to fucking uh, transpose everything you had um, just to make it so no one could steal your shit.
1: Yeah, exactly. You gotta hire some guy to like, do it for you, and then they don't give a shit, and they're just like cranking yeah, out. I'm
2: sure that's what they did. Find some nerd. Who yeah, there's well, no, uh, music.
0: John Paul Jones could probably uh, do that. He's he like probably the only. Could. He's like the only respectable member of that band, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. John
2: Bonham's dead. John Paul Jones uh, seems to have not done too many drugs or fucked kids. Yeah. So shout out to him. He's fr- friends with Dave Wall.
0: Yeah, he just sat around learning yeah, more he was in, and more um, instruments.
1: He was in, like, Josh Homme's Side Project. Them Crooked Remember Vultures. That? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wish that had come out when I was 13. Totally. I know, I would have liked it so much more, yeah. man.
2: Yeah,
0: and it still wasn't bad. Um, like, that first song, uh, Charles, Dude, that, that riff's we that amazing, listened to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with that weird mathy riff. That shit rules, but the rest of it's, it's kind of boring. A
1: it's just a Queens of the Stone Age riff, though, you know? It's, like, first album Queens of the Stone Age style, like, repetitive heavy
0: shit. Man, that's a good point. I never thought about that. If that song would have come out, or if that album would have come out when I was 13, I don't know. Like, that would have been the best day of my life.
2: That's bait for 13-year-old boys. If that had come out in, like, 2007 and they had put, uh, like, Megan Fox from Transformers on the cover, Mm -hmm. they would (laughs) have had a number one album forever from every 13-year-old boy buying it.
0: Yeah. And one song on it featured Lil Wayne.
1: Oh, yeah. Wait, here's a take for you. Queens of Stone Age is better at doing, like, heavy riff rock than almost anyone in the 70s.
2: Oh. That's probably Sabbath? true.
1: Like, if you, well, Sabbath is, like. Sabbath is obviously way up there, too. But, I mean. It's, I'm so, it's so easy 70s. to
2: improve Sabbath. And there are so many bands that have that just, like, cut out the shitty parts. Um, so, I, I think it's just through, like, repetition through, like, you know, the first time you play a riff, it's, like, shitty and you're grasping at it. And then, uh, like, three stoner metal bands later, it's like, damn, you you perfected the formula. You did it. Yeah, I the still— Wasn't new Sleep album? That was fantastic.
0: I don't think that Hami's riffs—Hami R- has some good riffs, but actually I think Hami's main strength is actually his vocals.
1: vocals? Yeah, yeah, he's an amazing singer. And then they
0: always manage to find really good drummers who just nail the feeling of the album, usually, most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time and i think that i would disagree with you there charles and that i think that queens of stone age their riffs actually aren't as good as like the overall sound of the band coming from those other two things i mentioned cuz like dude some of the riffs are boring as shit like on the first album a lot of those riffs are boring as fuck
1: oh you telling me that regular john's not a good riff it,
0: it works <laughs> it's fucking sick i like it but it's not eagles a good eagles of death metal
1: is pretty boring what's that Eagles, Eagles of, Death, of Death, Metal? Death Metal, yeah. I think their the first album is actually really fun. It's a fun, like, pop rock listen. And then nothing they ever did again mattered at all. But so I still listen to that first album for, like, it's just, like, easy, simple, fun shit. Their shows are
2: usually not exciting.
0: So this is going to segue into the next, like, classic rock band um, that I want to talk about personally. Like, they created Eagles of Death Metal. Just because they wanted to basically make like a Rolling Stones ripoff band, right? Or at least like, uh, who's the name, who's the head of, the, of that band? Jesse, it's not Jesse Jesse Thieler. Hughes. Jesse Hughes, okay. Jesse Hughes. He, um, he just wanted to play basically um, like both the guitar, or all the guitarists from Rolling Stones. There's been like what, three or four or whatever. Um, they keep dying. Yeah, they keep dying. Just um, as an
2: aside, Brian Jones fucking sucked.
0: Yeah, I don't. He know added the nothing obsession. to the band. He
2: added less to the band than like Mick Taylor.
0: It's purely like a cultish, like kind yeah, of surrounding. He just happened with him. to die. Yeah, but um, I I can't think of a band that I would like want to imitate less than the Rolling
2: Stones. No, the only people to try to do that are like the Black Crows. They really wanted to be the Rolling Stones, and
1: that's gross. Yeah, those guys are not very good. <laughs>
2: No, the black crows are embarrassing. It's like Charles, ugh.
0: that was a very democratic way of saying that about the black crows. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those guys are not very good. Those guys fucking suck.
2: You can tell how classic rock bands have aged by how many people are ripping them off. Like you occasionally get a an A C D C rip off band that sounds just like AC/DC and you occasionally get a rolling stones band you get a lot of like beatles bands over the years that's like all of sure. uh, all of jangle pop or whatever and, and like pink the floyd's birds. the
1: most interesting cuz it alternates right where like piper at the gates of dawn becomes cool again and then you get like animal collective and mgmt ripping that shit off and i'm sure we'll we'll like circle back around to proggy pink floyd being cool again yeah and, uh, aerosmith uh,
2: i was going to bring up aerosmith
1: you get buckcherry Cherry. buckcherry like,
2: um oh um, god yeah uh, those the kind that did, Hinder, like, go maybe? home, get stoned. Hinder. Yeah, Hinder. Oof. Oh, yeah, God. they wanted to be those bands for some reason in Guns N' Roses, but that's not a, not really a good thing to aspire to. Because it mostly just means, like, uh, getting hep C and sleeping in a gutter.
0: <laughs> so the grossest Rolling Stones, like, I mean, I don't really like complaining about appropriation in music because I think it's kind of like an odd thing, like an odd stance to make, like, why can't yeah. you borrow stuff musically? I think,
2: I think like early on when the, all those British guys were ripping off the blues artists, you could tell they like, they were really passionate about it and it comes yeah. through. So like, it, it wasn't just like cynical rip off. Like they heard that and they were like.
1: Yeah. I think what I would say about that is music music is always built around ripping off other people. The only thing that's like credible to the sort of appropriation idea for that period is that. Most black artists were shut out from having the kind of success that those artists had, right? Like By Hesh right. from The Sopranos. The say, system itself was exploitative because you couldn't have that kind of success. People would you say Hendrix, like
0: but Hendrix. Hendrix is the exception that proves the rule almost. Like Exactly, yeah. They he's, couldn't ignore him. He's the him. only
1: person you could think of. They
0: couldn't ignore him because he was too fucking good. Like uh, You can't tell Jackie Robinson he can't play baseball. He's too fucking good, you know? But... Do you know? Do you ever hear about like the story of Hendrix going over to London and how he got started getting popular like in the music scene?
2: Like, I think I've read about that a little bit. I remember the story of him getting thrown out of the military for whacking off.
1: That's <laughs> that's awesome.
2: They caught him whacking off.
0: That's um, pretty cool. But he like went over there because he was like a hotshot guitarist for other funk bands R and B bands and stuff. And then like he got put into a studio uh, with Clapton. And you know what the nickname was for Clapton in like around that time?
2: Slowhand or God? God? God. Yeah, which is insane because he wasn't even the best blues guitarist sucks. in Britain.
0: Yeah. It's- and so, like, so then he like went to this session and played around and like it came out this legend's like, oh, Hendrix killed God or Jimmy killed God because um, he was a better guitarist than him. It's just like, First of all, if you're basing Clapton as your guitar god, you're probably, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're fucking god, you're Clapton's not so fucking already.
1: boring, man. He yeah. had like a
2: couple good songs. One of my conspiracy theories that I believe is that uh, George Harrison co- uh, ghost wrote large parts of the Layla album.
1: Dude, I can see that because what I was gonna say is the flip that the only good Clapton stuff is when he's playing on a George Harrison song. Like the first song on, um, uh, fuck, what do you call it? When my on, guitar all
2: gently weeps. Uh, yeah,
1: but but all things must pass. Like the first track on that is really good. Isn't it a pity? Is that what it is? No, probably not. Um, no,
2: it's I can't. Think I need to go like listen that. to that again.
0: The best part of the song "Badge" by Cream. Um, it has that riff that's like boom, 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 boom. boom. Super boring and it's not interesting. But oh the yeah, break, that part sucks. The breakdown of it was written by George Harrison, and yeah, that's I'm the like, best part oh, of the you song. Yeah, yeah. The arpeggio, da. and so that that kind of adds to your yeah. your theory. Like, like if that's you listen the only to something, I, and then that? you
2: listen to if you listen to something, and then you listen to Bell Bottom Blues, it's like either George Harrison was uh, deliberately trying to rip off George Harrison's song while stealing his wife, or it was co-wrote written by George Harrison. Yeah, and he also had a lot of George Harrison's uh, former band on that session. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, Clapton sucks. I don't have but any Clapton. Back to what you
2: were saying about uh, about Hendrix.
0: Oh, that was my whole point.
2: Oh, that was the whole point. Oh, right, I was my gonna whole point say was like uh,
0: saying that like Hendrix went over there and they said like you killed God, but I'm like, wait, let's reevaluate you calling Clapton God. Like that shit is just
2: awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, British people were so stupid in like 1965. <laughs> John Mayall's blues breakers. Like they just saw like five white guys. Playing the shittiest goddamn twelve-bar blues of all time, yeah. and they thought they literally worshipped them
0: yeah. as deities. And the only time it was interesting was when they like they were bad enough at the blues that they had to sort of cover it up with other stuff. Like the Kinks were just kind of doing
1: yeah, crappy exactly. blues
0: riffs, but they were like not good enough to do like proper blues, so they just did dumb riffs and played way too loud with broken speakers.
1: Their real strength is like vocal melodies and stuff, and
0: like, fucking slapping riffs, dude. <laughs> like all day, all night. Still one of my favorite riffs of all time.
1: The but, riff from Picture Book that Green Day took.
2: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they took
1: it like a hundred
2: percent. It's just like a zero, three, four, five on like the first four strings. What so a great riff!
1: When, that was when Green Day was already on their way down. You know, like that was the last like passable Green Warning. Day album. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um. I was thinking about Kinks for this exercise of finding like really horrendously bad classic rock song, like concepts or songs for that have bad concepts, and I really couldn't find that many. Like, I mean, yeah, they have some cheesier shit, but it's not bad. It's not as bad as like the two songs that we've looked at so far. I no, still they think they
2: didn't get very horny, and they also had a lot of concept albums, which uh, which prevents you from doing feel like making love because you have to f- squeeze the plot in.
0: I still think Honky Tonk Women by The Stones might be, like, the dumbest concept for a song ever. Not only it's because— It's a
2: it- shitty song. <laughs> it's worse than Honky Tonk Donk."
0: Oh, by far. But, like, I don't even know if they know what a Honky Tonk is. They just kind of know that it's vaguely bluesy and country. Because the cities that they reference here, like, I met a gin-soaked barroom queen in Memphis. She tried to take me upstairs for a ride— And then it goes down there, I laid a divorce. God, he uses the verb laid, too. I laid a divorcee in New York City. Some rhyming there. I tried to put up some kind of fight. Like, they think that honky-tonk is defined by New York City?
2: In Memphis. That's just where Elvis was. Right. That's all they
1: knew.
0: Right. Um, I don't know. I fucking hate that song so badly. And just like the... The chorus. You know, it's it really a would have helped
1: if he if he had Yelp back then, so he could have just yelped like top honky tonks in Alabama and just mentioned whatever he found as the number one.
0: Or just don't write the goddamn song if you don't know what it is.
2: Songs with the lyrics or a list of place names are great. Like Kokomo is the best example of that. <laughs> oh
1: God,
2: <laughs> because uh, th- that one's canceled. Yeah, because, we got to talk about the Beach Boys. Because one, uh, the g- it was co written by Mike Love and the guy from uh, the Mamas and the Papas, the tall guy. Who uh, had a sexual relationship with his daughter when she was like 21.
1: Yeesh. Under really? the influence
2: of cocaine, yeah. You can Did read Did he about sing it. his
1: own song to her when she turned 21?
2: Probably. It was very weird shit. And then also, if you listen to the lyrics of it, it's basically a list of the top destinations for slaves during the Triangle Trade. <laughs> it's like if you were a slave ship captain, that's literally the islands you would be taking.
1: That's them what to. you were bumping? That's when you were. Uh... Driving the ship, you were fucking with Kokomo by Beach Boys.
2: Yeah, they still had eight tracks back then.
0: That song also <laughs> is just the most plastic song ever. I know this is beyond lyrics, but it's just one of the most plastic sounding songs mm-hmm. I've ever heard.
2: There's a moment in there where um, Carl does his does part of the chorus and he kind of sounds like Brian. And it's like you can see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel there. It's like there's just this glimmer <laughs> of like the old band coming through and then it goes back to Mike Love. Talking about uh, talking about drinking margaritas.
1: I feel like I actually don't spend enough time uh, wasting my life listening to that song. Like I should listen to that once we finish recording, man. Man, I'm glad you brought it up. It's not a bad yeah. song.
2: It do, it does some cool things with the chords. No, it's a bad song. I, well, I, I mean objectively, but it does like it goes from like a major to a major seventh to a to some. It does some chord switch. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. All, like, the Brian Wilson stuff is extremely smart with chord changes.
0: So did Brian Wilson have a hand in this at all or not?
2: He was gone during okay. that uh, recording of that. And that was also the time when they would go on every TV show.
0: Ooh, Charles, this came out in the year of the dragon, the year we were born.
1: I was born in the year of the monkey. I mean, Kokomo's from
0: 88?
1: Yep. Damn, I didn't know it was that. Recent. So
0: so this would be crazy. Can you imagine? This is the same year that Daydream Nation came out and then Kokomo's yeah. on the radio. <laughs>
2: Do you remember uh, Home Improvement and Full House where the Beach Boys would always be on? No. Without Brian Wilson?
1: God, that's so cool.
2: No one remembered that? Yeah, they were on Home Improvement without Brian Wilson. And then Tim Allen had them do, uh, I think, Barbara Ann or Little Deuce Coop or one of their shittiest songs. And then they would be on the Beach Boys with John Stamos.
0: I bet America collectively shat its pants when they saw... The Beach Boys on Home Improvement. Yeah, wow. who were like
2: 55 years old then. It was just this weird forced PR push that uh, around that. You time. had to be
1: there, man. It was like the moon landing. But that it seems was like the moon landing for the same crowd that liked the moon landing in the 60s. That seems
0: like that seems like it's probably hitting the right, you know, demographic, right?
1: Probably, yeah, yeah, totally. They knew, man. Dude, I'm I reading. My favorite really shitty Beach Boys song, though, is Fun, Fun, Fun. Like, it's just so...
2: That was a Mike Love lyric, I think. And he's one of the worst lyricists God, so. of all time.
1: God, it's so Or, good. It, or, this song or it was is someone like, else. It's such a stinker that it's just really good, man. The first
2: line kills it. It's the lamest shit of all time. Let me see. Well, uh, she's got
1: her daddy's car, and she cruised to the hamburger stand now. <laughs> God, it's so fucking cool, man. Like,
0: <laughs> Wait, wait, go on, because it gets better. I, did, I never saw the second
2: line. It's seems so lame. She
1: forgot all about the library like she told her old man now. <laughs> but with the radio blasting, goes cruising just as fast as she can now. And she'll have fun, fun, fun till her daddy takes the T-Bird away. Like, if you were making fun of the 60s... You couldn't actually write something funnier than that. Yeah, know? it's. I'm it's, actually
2: working on a '60s parody song. Oh hell yeah! I mean, I don't know how you don't
0: don't aim this high because this already does everything you could possibly do. Um,
2: I can make the chords better.
0: No, I'm saying lyrically. <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs>
2: lyrically. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, like and, and there's now at the end of every line, which, come on. Come on. Well,
0: okay. There are ways you can do that. Like Jay Maskus does that all the time where he just says like the same, the same line uh in like a ton of Dinosaur Jr. songs. He ends it with the same word even. But it works because he's his whole persona is being like a lazy slacker. So it, it yeah, works for him being it. a lazy slacker who can just solo really well. But then yeah, for for this kind of like um I guess there is two rhymes: Stan, Man, Can. But. It is a
2: Mike Love lyric. Yeah, it's weird that he put such little effort in because he was just uh, the Wilson brothers' cousin. He was in the band because he was their cousin. He was the lead singer of a band where he was the worst singer in the band.
0: A uh, little known fact, same story with Kevin in the Backstreet Boys.
1: <laughs> Wait, do you guys see on uh, Genius here the side note about this song? Um The song may have been inspired by Shirley England and her escapades in the '60s. According to England, the band was at her father's radio station while she was hanging around, complaining about how her father had punished her and taken her driving privileges away the day prior.
0: Okay, dude. Does a song
1: like this need inspiration?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't get when people like were they already working on the song and they're like, "Dude, we have no idea for lyrics. Let's let's write a song about that whiny bitch who was here earlier." Like, can you not think of a single
1: concept about- how brain, Yeah, how brain-dead would you have to be to be like, man, fuck, I need inspiration to think about- Like, I want to talk about a song about the hamburger stand, but I just don't know, like, how to get inspired about that, you know?
2: That was a similar story to The Impetus for Black Dog by Led Zeppelin, where a black dog kept wandering in and out of the studio, and they all wanted to fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they got the idea for that song. <laughs> right. about uh, about fun 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 the fun thing or the funny thing about the t-bird is that uh those killed so many people they were like seven thousand pounds and didn't have seat belts and they just...
0: their their dashboards had a propensity to melt because yeah. my mom had one and it was had a melted dashboard
1: <laughs> <laughs> like three quarters That's of your high culture. school class died in a car accident yeah
2: yes. in youth 1959 culture, baby,
1: fast cars living dangerously we just mm-hmm. want to party because we're so young. We're just Dying. going to the
0: hamburger stand and coming home by 9 p.m., mom.
1: Dying before they send you to Korea. Getting a fentanyl spiked uh, malt. Oh, yeah. Well, splitting it with your best gal with two straws and one little metal cup.
0: Man, you know like when you're younger and you see a movie like Dazed and Confused or something, you're like, man, I really wish I grew up in that time. Like That would have been cool. There's no fucking way I wish I grew up in the 60s or 70s. Oh, <laughs>
2: like, no, That, so that lame, movie dude. sucked.
0: That Absolutely was actually –
2: uh, well, the early 60s, like the the malt shop era, was such a bad time for drugs because it was after they stopped selling cocaine and heroin and shit over the counter but before people found like LSD and shit. So there See, was just I, nothing. Other that that
0: over-the-counter cocaine and like that kind of stuff also sounds like, I mean, a horrible, horrible time also because then you're yeah. just like, oh, your wife's complaining? Give her a whole bunch of cocaine or that also sounds like not a good time.
2: Yeah, like, I don't know. You could get Valium really easily if you were of a certain demographic. But other than that, you were kind of out of luck, unless you were very rich.
1: Yeah, the 60s were the only time uh, when you wrote songs about Valium. Or I guess early 70s, too, because, like, Lou Reed, right? Like, uh, uh, Walk on the Wild Side.
0: Or her song about called Heroin?
1: Yeah, of course. well, yeah, but I'm talking about Valium, too, you know?
0: Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about drugs in general.
1: My grandma was addicted to
2: Valium at the time as a housewife. So it's pretty cool, actually. She was doing the same thing as Lou Reed. (laughs) Living the life.
0: Pretty cool. Charles, you had that point now about, like, how—what was your tweet? Like, uh, uh, can't be edgy anymore uh, singing about drugs because there's QAnon grandmas way more hopped up on drugs than Lou
1: Reed ever was.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anything prescription is so lame now. Yeah, for sure. It's like
1: like you were saying, Alex, that, like, heroin was legal before then— and it's practically legal now in the form of like OxyContin and right. all this, like different like fentanyl patches and shit. Like that was the only period where it was more illegal, and it seemed cool. You know, it's actually just kind of lame.
2: Yeah, for a while people were just doing a lot of them. They would just take it. You would just do heroin, and if you got a heroin withdrawal, you just do more heroin, which does. Uh, do a lot to treat heroin withdrawal. Speaking of songs
0: <laughs> about drugs, um, and I've been a little bit of a Sabbath fanboy like since we started talking, but I'll throw them underneath the bus now. Sweet Leaf is an awesome song, but those lyrics <coughs> fucking suck too. Um, and it's one of those songs when you're like, I don't know, Anywhere from like 12 to 14, you hear it and you don't really know what he's singing about. And then somebody who's maybe a year older than you is like, dude, it's about <laughs> stevia. weed, like, man. Whoa, that's crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah. They're like, it's a sweet leaf, dude. It's weed.
2: No, it's um, about Salvi. It's about uh, Stevie. Right. But this, like, uh, verse
0: two I love you. Oh, you know it. My life was empty. <laughs> forever on a down until you took me showed me around my life is free now my life is clear i love you leaf, though you can't hear oh Dude.
1: yeah once again love used as like the catch-all for whatever you're writing about they were you're, actually you're doing hash shallow.
2: they weren't even using the leaves they, they were just using hash that's what you did in britain in the in the 60s in the 70s you didn't really get weed you just got like bricks of hash or can you chop me off a brick of that ash over there, mate. Which I would love <laughs> to have a brick of hash. I gotta say. <laughs>
0: I don't know. There's still something about just like, I don't mind drugs being in songs, but if you're writing like a a love song for something as lame as just weed, I don't know. And It amazed me with like with clearly Ozzy wrote that one because Geezer would no, always I, write about like sci-fi have been shit. Geezer.
2: It probably was. Geezer? Yeah. You think? Also, not a great lyricist. Geezer, no. I
0: disagree. Oh, yeah. It says leezer, lyrics by Geezer.
2: Lyrics by Weezer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: God. Man,
0: if they were considered classic rock, they have some real stinkers, too.
1: Uh, we Are All on Drugs is their real <laughs> <That's> banger. <laughs> yeah, We Are
2: All in Love. They changed it to that for the radio version, which I don't oh, yeah, think... this
1: isn't even the first time we've talked about yeah. that on this When show. did
2: that get played on the radio, by the way? I remember it. I never it.
1: heard
0: it. I remember it. Um... Cause it was like, it was in high school when that album came out, and I yeah, remember, yeah. I remember trying to like it, cause it's like, whoa, a new Weezer album. Me
1: too, cause I liked Maladroit, so I really tried to like that album. I yeah. heard
2: Beverly Hills when I was twelve on MTV, and I was like, this shit slaps. And I was like, Weezer, wasn't there a file on the Windows ninety five CD called Weezer.avi? And then I put in the Windows 95 CD that I still had for some reason, and opened it up, and it was the video for Buddy Holly on the Windows 95 CD. That was my what? introduction to Weezer.
0: You've got to be making that up.
2: That's look it up. Windows 95, they had the Buddy Holly video on the uh, bonus CD. Why? Because Weezer it was, was uh, like
1: the nerds' favorite band in the in the mid 90s. 1994,
2: season. they were humongous, and they had the the viral video. It was like to. Uh, Well, it was like a proto-viral video, like an MTV hit with a wacky premise. Yeah, they just wanted to show off the video capabilities. So they
0: chose Buddy Holly, huh? Yeah, Interesting.
2: And then they also did the uh, the Start Me Up by The Rolling Stones. Ooh. Which kind of fits, but it it kind of uh, doesn't speak well of The Rolling Stones that they had to find a song from 1978 in 1995. Um, Starting
1: Me Up is a metaphor for a computer.
2: It is. It's, it was about uh, the Commodore 64.
1: Mick Jagger the, uh, really
2: liked it.
0: That's what the Rolling Stones were singing about. Yeah, it was, that about, video, it was about it's downloading
2: also, child porn off of BBS.
0: It's also um, Mick Jagger just jumping around in a leotard for the entire song uh, right in front of your face. And he's already past his prime at that point.
2: Yeah, I don't want to start him up.
0: Yeah, you do. Once
2: you start him up, he, uh, you wanna he get, never get? You want to get
0: under there and give that give that motor a little a little rumble.
2: I just want to grab handfuls of his jowls which he has all over his body. Yeah, did that ben man too.
0: is 90% jowl.
2: Very jowly man.
0: Um I we touched on this a little bit but like with classic rock and, and this kind of stuff we're talking about it's it sucks to me that like I guess we could say it's a generational thing that we just think that some of this sucks sucks because we're like a little bit younger than, you know, the people who grew up with this. But I still feel like there are legions of people, Charles, like you were saying, that will defend this, like, a lot. Like, I think that's what makes it special.
1: I'm thinking about how, like, all the lyrics we've talked about are just the same dumb bullshit of any kind of pop music, right? Like, a woman is like a car and is sexy and, like, drugs are cool. That's just every fucking kind of popular music, right? Like, there's plenty of great... Like, I'm not saying that classical rock is bad because there's... Classical, Classical rock? rock. Classic, Go on.
0: Yeah. Go I'm on. not saying
1: that classic rock is bad. Classical gas. Terrible lyrics. <laughs> there aren't any. Yeah, what's up with that, dude?
0: Yeah, and he also plays a guitar too fast in that
2: dude, song. Dude, you know who sucked at lyrics?
1: Beethoven, dog. Yeah, Ode to Joy. That's like three
2: lines. It's like an yeah. hour symphony and there are three lines at the end. Come on.
1: No, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like, It's not to say that classic rock is bad. It's just that it's about the same dumb bullshit that every genre of music is about. Like, Something
2: that I notice that That gets me is when you look up an old song on YouTube, even if it's a bad song that you're like hate listening to or whatever, or or like a song that you would show to anyone under the age of like fifty and they would say like, oh yeah, that's aged horribly, that sucks. But every comment is from someone saying, this this is good, this is when music was good, and everything else is bad now. Yeah. And it's Um, like I don't I don't know what you do with that, but it it is weird that it's like what it is is that like.
1: Everyone Only remembers people the who youth like culture it. of their time, and everyone just wants to, like, associate their own youth with... See, yeah. uh, I'll disagree uh, with that a little bit, dude, because I,
0: I listened to the worst new metal, the worst butt rock growing up, and I'm willing to admit that, like, guess what, guys? Limp Biscuit didn't age well. Not very good. Like, Didn't age well, but some true. of those songs were good. But, like, I'm willing to admit that and kind of make fun of it, whereas, like, I feel like people who grew up with classic rock, defend it endlessly, you know? Um, and I can even get it if someone like, I don't know, I'm trying to think like of a record I really liked when I was younger, like that still holds up well. Like Queens of Stone Age, right? Like, yeah. If someone doesn't like them, I'm fine with it. Like, I get it. It's not necessarily the most palatable stuff, but like yeah, if I'm someone says, the same says, page as you,
1: I just don't if give If someone shit. says
0: like the Beatles suck, people get fucking mad.
1: Yeah, that's, what, that's what, kind of what I'm curious about because like, when I was making fun of like CCR and shit on Twitter this week, I had boomers in my mention just, or actually, here we go. Here's a couple of good ones. I had it pulled up earlier of some, some like MAGA boomer was like prime example of someone who is not educated in the music. Oh <laughs> my God.
2: <laughs> you should tell them that, uh, your favorite bad or, uh, your favorite song by them is long, cool woman in a black dress by the Hollies. <laughs> Have you ever, Do are you familiar them- with that song? No, no. It sounds exactly like CCR. It's by the Hollies, but like from the 70s, and it just sounds exactly like CCR. It's insane. They still the play about it on CCR the radio. CCR
1: is they're good, but most of their songs are stupid as shit lyrically. Like, yeah, they're also from
2: California, and they wrote exactly, songs about the Exactly, that's what value. I'm
1: saying. It's all just like so fucking... It's such a lame thing to want to yeah. pretend to be a part of. Like, oh, I was... Down near the fucking swamp with my dog. Yeah, I was getting beaten by by mosquitoes.
0: I'm almost drowning. I don't mind, like, when people do character songs either. Like, it's fine to do that. You know, if you Les Claypool does that all the time, he just makes a bunch of characters, you know, and turns them into, like, song ideas or whatever. But their whole shtick is that. Like, that's their whole fucking thing. It's like, you're. Speaking of
1: characters, though, look up uh, the lyrics for Down on the Corner. To me, this is like some Bon Jovi shit where there's a whole, like, group of characters that are never actually explained very well rooster hits the washboard and people just got to smile blinky thumps the gut bass and solos for a while poor boy twangs the rhythm out on his kalamazoo willie goes into a dance and doubles on kazoo i'll
0: be honest i never had any idea what he was saying in that song Exactly. Yeah, what the fuck is
2: that shit?
1: That's some bullcrap. So bad,
0: dude.
2: I'm looking at the comments for Feel Like Making Love right now, and they're always always just amazing. Sixteen and rocking to classic rock to hell with mumble rap. See, uh, that's what I'm saying.
0: Like and that that's the thing yeah, that pisses me off the most is like and, and Charles, you know who I'm talking about when I say this, like we have like a decent group of friends who are who will get into long conversations about like, man, why is music today so bad? And it was so good back in like the sixties and seventies. And it's like that's not fucking cor- true at all. You've just kind of been brainwashed to a certain extent to thinking that's the only time. Yeah, type it's of music just survivor's bias.
2: Everyone forgets the shitty stuff, except for us, and we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, even though we're talking about fairly popular, so- uh, very popular songs. Uh, but yeah, Charles, that second verse of that CCR song is incredibly bad.
1: <laughs> it's also, also like, this is amazing. They're like, the- hey guys, what's someone the in a, what's someone Genius? in new-
0: What's someone in New Orleans named? Rooster, Blinky, Blinky, Poor Boy, and Willie.
1: Oh, sounds like the boys I grew up with. They sound like
0: Pac-Man ghosts. Yeah, (laughs) that's so stupid.
1: (laughs) Did you see this on the on the Genius sidebar? Though, Um, it's about a fictional band Willie and the Poor Boys and how they play on street corners to cheer people up and ask for nickels equivalent to thirty three cents in twenty (laughs) sixteen. God damn,
2: (laughs) that sucks. It's like writing about, like, Pigpen from Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah. Really cool, man. Yeah. I think boomers overplayed their hand with CCR, though, because they put it in every single movie. Anytime, anything, uh, like, relating to the 60s in any way. It was doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo,
1: Yeah, so here's the thing, like. So people just associate it with that. The Beach Boys talked about real California shit, like surfing and hamburger stands. CCR, none of this shit had to do with their life, you know?
0: And, like, I, I think fortune uh, oh, Song is a good song. Oh, Song kicks ass. Is a good song, for sure. But you're right, it okay, is, like... Okay, to be
1: fair, okay, how about this? Fortune Song. Going to the hamburger stand was a, a teenager's uh, hobby back then, and so was dying in Vietnam. So those actually Ooh. are pretty... Well, those Ooh. were different
2: decades, I think. Hamburger Stand was probably out of date by then. That was, like... Fun yeah, Fun Fun yeah, was it. 1964, and that was so out of date by then, which we didn't even talk about. See, then, I like to picture like,
0: that America started smoking weed, like, in this is just me, but, like, in the mid-60s. And early it was fine. It was a nice, you know, button-up, hair-combed-over, nice young lad, right? And then they started smoking weed, and they started being rebellious. They started staying out all night and just uh, writing protest songs.
1: Yeah, before they took that first puff, they were listening to Fun, Fun, Fun. Then immediately it changed to Fortunate Son, and there was Uh just like some weird, uh, like like a fisheye lens kind of effect happened to them right away. And they're like,
2: hey, man, you don't look so good. Those old video effects from videos from like 1968 were psychedelic. That's what happened with Rubber Soul. Bob Dylan showed Weed to the Beatles and they just made that album. 1965. So it was like sometime at the end of 1964, like right after Fun, Fun, Fun. But Fun, Fun, Fun was like a throwback to the late 50s almost. Because there were like the 50s were all about car songs, about teenagers in a car going to the hamburger stand. And I think Mike Love was just like five years behind the times.
0: It was a throwback to a better time.
2: Yeah. F- that's that's 50s. what he, he wanted them to stay in the 50s forever.
0: God, that would be awful for like most people in the world. That would be hell.
1: Oh yeah. She got her daddy's car and she's going to the white's only drinking fountain. <laughs> There's some the march on Washington in the road
2: so she can't go anywhere. <laughs>
0: Let's all go out and vote for LBJ now.
2: Well, I think George Wallace has a few good points. and <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Strom
2: Thurmond wasn't wrong at
1: all. Alex, that reminds me of what you said when we talked about country music a while back of like, um, the songs seem innocent enough, but think about who was listening to them at the time and what their politics were. There's probably a degree of truth uh, that applies here, too. Yeah, right?
2: like I, I always get a weird feeling when I see really corny white people stuff from the past because you imagine, like, the, the guy holding up the sign that said race mixing equals communism. It's like, what did he watch? What did he listen to? What did he read?
1: Yeah, he was watching, like, Hee Haw.
2: Yeah. So it's like the, the, that, that stuff. Fun, fun, fun. Even the innocent stuff is like, uh, ooh, I don't know. Now it's, it's, a, it's a lot more uh, coded. Culturally, so it's you know exactly what they're watching and listening to. They're watching Duck Dynasty and they're listening to Florida Georgia Line and you know all that shit. But
0: That's interesting. I mean, yeah. Um, I'm from a town of, like, not very many people at all in, like, a very, very rural area. And, like, every kind of – especially with music. I'll just speak to music because I think I'd be stretching my boundaries too far if I said otherwise. But, like, almost all their songs are based around, like, this ideal – You know, whether it be the ideal is right now, like a a Florida Georgia Lions song where it's like, all right, this is it. Like we're partying in the sun and we're fucking having fun. And this is all that matters because I got my buddies with me and I don't care if they're black, white or purple, you know, but, but then also it could be like, oh, I miss the good old days or I miss my sweetheart or whatever. It's just always an ideal. It's always is when we
2: did this more, we did more tailgate parties.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the way to prove that you are reaching that ideal is by having, like, tailgate parties or by having, like, um, those sort of, like, quote-unquote moments with your family or friends. And it's like, I mean, if that's all you're striving for, then, like, you're going to be a selfish person probably.
2: That sounds like such a lame life, listening to those songs. Like, it's supposed to be aspirational, I guess, but the idea of just drinking lukewarm beer in the back of someone's truck getting, like, beat— I see. I keep saying the phrase, beaten by mosquitoes. Why am I doing that? Eaten by mosquitoes <laughs> by the river.
0: You got to write a song called Getting Beaten by Mosquitoes.
2: Just big-ass man-sized just have, mosquitoes just yeah, beating the
0: shit out like, of me. Bam, you're bam, over near bam, like Chernobyl, bam. and they're just massive mosquitoes with baseball bats. Wearing tracksuits. I My thing to bring
1: it all together here is that it's just like a superficial kind of nostalgia where it's like, remember when we used to drink warm Budweiser's when we were 17? That was fun. Even though it wasn't really any more fun than just... Hanging out with your friends when you're like 30, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, it was pretty miserable actually. So, if I could, it's,
1: it's the same thing for just defending bygone genres of music too, where it's like you can idealize classic rock because it's over, and it's like the songs that haven't washed away, like as ephemera, are just like these are good songs, they're unimpeachable.
2: I think it's important to remake the classic rock canon or the canon of everything, like every few decades, because like. The classic rock canon made by the people who were there when it came out is, like, classic rock radio in Rolling Stone magazine. And then you've got, like, another canon with Generation X where certain bands were, like, elevated above others and then millennials and, like...
1: That's a good you point. you like, see no, Melbourne Underground wasn't really in that original canon and then they got added by Yeah, that was like a Gen
2: change. X canonization.
1: But yeah, like exactly. there's
2: certain uh bands that need to be taken out every so often like bad company. We can just we can scrap that and then uh like the Beach Boys have definitely aged better and like the the Beatles have aged better. So like you, you see this redo of the canon every so often where bands get people forget about certain bands and then people uh choose to decide that bands were good and they should be kept. That's a process that that has to happen. There's
0: also like a certain amount of like American hard rock underground bands like Blue Cheer or Tin House that fucking ruled um, that are still like maybe only recently kind of like through like stoner metal in the last like 10, 15, 20 years or so kind of like coming up a little bit more. But I think there's still like a manufactured nostalgia. Charles, what you were talking about too with like, there's a manufactured nostalgia in people in different generations beyond like the boomer generation that like they're like like I feel this Do you know the word enamoya? No. Enamoya is like the sensation of nostalgia for an era that you aren't from. And I feel like classic rock has that down to a T. Like, even I, when I hear, you know, fucking Black Dog or something, I'm like, oh, I remember this song when I was younger. Like, dude, I dude, don't, I don't know what the fuck the context of that song was. I just I
2: told you. It was a dog wandered into the oh, studio. Right. And they were all yeah. chasing it around trying to fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, mom, I said the way you move. Yeah. Gonna make you bark. Gonna make you groove.
0: But the same,
2: like, I'm still bro, saying bro, that. You like, hear a dog just barking in the background. <laughs> of that See, song. it works. It gets the dog's horny.
0: But like, there's, there's something that with classic rock that has been manufactured into future generations where like we have to go back and rework that canon to make it work, make sense for us because it's so important. Whereas we don't do that with other eras, I feel like. It's weird. Like There's this fucking um, – this sort of monopoly of classic rock, I feel like, in, in a lot of music.
2: I think we do to some extent. I don't know. It's interesting seeing what, what things uh, younger people take and leave from the past based on, like, modern, uh, how social norms change, and some of it's just lyrics, like, you know, you don't, you're not going to see that many young people listening to Brown Sugar or whatever because it's just like, oh, this hasn't aged well. But uh, some of it's just quality. It's just people sifting through quality and, like, uh, getting rid of the corny stuff, the excess. But then there's also the, like, Rolling Stone type of people who want to make uh, a Jimi Hendrix or Eric Clapton cover issue every year. And they want to maintain the status quo with the canon where it's like, you know, what uh, old guys think is good, what old white guys think is good exclusively.
0: Yeah. I think that, like, that's that sounds good in theory, but it also sort of sounds like you're relying on the cream to come to the top, which does happen, you know. No, when, it requires
2: when, aggressive tastemakers like ourselves. Right. Well, <laughs> deciding it, for the peons what's bad and what's good
0: like yeah like what what really needs to happen i guess to get rid of it is like like i like the idea of kind of revamping the canon but it, it almost needs to be done by people who are like really trying to move music forward with a sort of like social awareness in mind also like yeah Definitely, we probably yeah. don't need bad company like that shit can go away um but there's some really good stuff there as well. I just don't know if we need to keep doing it with this generation of songs that we're talking about.
1: Yeah, well, it should happen with every generation I think.
0: totally, totally. people um, should be constantly looking, looking at like the a, past.
1: It's like a Ouija board kind of thing where no one's really controlling it, but if enough people are pushing in a direction, it kind of kind of ends up somewhere, you know like yeah
0: it, it'll be interesting because like I think we kind of we kind of grew up with more this is a lame phrase, but I guess like indie rock, you know. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Like, I don't see, for example, the strokes aging as well as, like, some of the other stuff. Just because it's a little bit less interesting than, say, oh, I don't know. Like, even early Modest Mouse type of stuff. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I think you can kind of foresee what the the future, like, 90s, 2000s rock canon will be. It's going to be, like, Modest Mouse, The Killers. Uh, Radiohead. Oh, Killers, Radiohead.
0: that's an interesting one. Wilco. Why The Killers?
2: Uh, I don't know. They had a bunch of, like, mainstream hits that were sort of indie rock, but not really. In Mr. Brightside, you see people talk about that a lot. That's, that's one. True. That's an example of like what I'm. I think I'm talking about, where younger people have decided that like this is part of the canon. Yeah. This is part of the canon now. I don't know how it happens, but
1: yeah, that's a uh, song's pop, here to stay. Like, pop culture is similar to actually significant like history, in the sense that like it's written by the people who are living it long after it's happened. Right. Like. In the same way that our generation looks back at the Clinton administration and we're like, oh, these guys kind of sucked actually, right? It's the same way with music where it's just like you look back on this music from when you were like 10 years old and weren't really a part of it and you're just like, oh, this is not as good as they thought it was or this is better or whatever. Man,
0: maybe this will be like a thought to end on. Like a band that I think sounds like classic rock and they are already played on classic rock radios and I don't know how they'll they'll age or not, but like how will – like the white stripes elephant how will that age like that'll be interesting to me cuz to me it's very much basically like classic rock from the 2000s you know
2: um, maybe like the way the black crows aged which is I, like not i don't know maybe not hopefully ter- not than terribly that. i mean people don't they're not like one of everyone's favorite bands but they had a few radio hits and they're not like people don't trash them regularly but Joel, I was also actually hoping
1: you were going to say Greta van fleet as like a troll to end the episode. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Nope. Not that.
1: No,
2: not they've that. got a unique sound. People need to stop trolling. <laughs> yeah. They've got a unique sound. It's not derivative. Uh, people are just being uh, dicks for no reason.
1: <laughs> All right. Well on that note, I'm going to play the episode out with ironic and I didn't plan it this way, but we've been talking about lyrics and stuff. I'm going to play the out, play the episode out with a uh, instrumental song. <laughs> that I did recently. So.